the sublime comes through the mundane. You know, like that most mundane thing you're doing to order your consciousness is what's going to allow the best to flow through you. Welcome to the Stay Grounded Podcast. I'm your host, Raj Jana, founder of Liberate, and it's my mission to help you become the most grounded, loving, and authentic version of yourself that you can be. Each week, I interview experts in the fields of mindset, spirituality, and emotional well-being. My brilliant guests share their tools, stories, and unique perspectives to help you develop the skills you need to show up fully for the people and things that matter most in your life. Now let's dive in. Yo, yo, what's up everyone? And welcome to this week's very special episode of Stay Grounded with my new friend, Mr. Brian Johnson. Um, I ran across Brian's work actually after I saw his book, um, Arete. That's what the book is called. And it was all about heroic potential. And on the back of the book, I saw Brian's principles or virtues and values. And the second I read his virtues, something just activated within me. And I knew that I had to have him on the show. And this was such an amazing conversation. I mean, Brian is the founder and CEO of the Hero of Public Benefit Corporation and is committed to helping create a world where 51% of humanity is flourishing by 2051. He's a successful serial entrepreneur and a modern philosopher and teacher, and he's helped countless people optimize their lives and has trained over 10,000 heroic coaches globally and created protocols scientifically demonstrated to drive change. I mean, he what I loved most about this conversation was just bringing it back to the basics. Like how do you stay grounded with your sleep, with your nutrition, with your exercise, with um, integrating and embodying virtues like wisdom, discipline, courage, and love? How do you transform inspiration into concrete habits and practices to create positive change? I mean, we went in so many directions, but I just loved Brian's down-to-earth attitude. I mean, he's just such a chill guy with so much to offer. And he's, you can just feel the depth of his practice, like his, uh, his devotion to this, this work of truly excelling and living out of his highest potential and his desire to support others in doing so. I just love this conversation. I mean, we, talked about so much one his his new book arate activate your heroic potential available on all the apps um he's also got the heroic app and so much more we've got a lot of amazing links in the show notes if you want to check out any of brian's work but uh, i hope you guys enjoy this conversation i hope it really does inspire you to live into more of your potential and lead a life of excellence that's grounded in ancient wisdom and modern science and a whole lot of love so enjoy the conversation if you haven't already subscribed to the show on itunes spotify youtube or any of the apps that you choose to watch the show on uh, as i mentioned in last month's reflection episode i'm going to be releasing a lot more mini episodes and content this year and so if you want to receive those make sure you're subscribed so you can get them and i'm just so grateful i cannot believe it is already february like what is happening with 2024 it's amazing i hope your year is off to a great start and without further ado here is my main man mr brian johnson enjoy Brian, welcome to the show. Raj, thanks for having me. Dude, your background is just so epic. I need to ask, like, what's the story behind those faces? I mean, they're ranging from 
I imagine like stoic humans all the way down to children. Um, I'd love to maybe just start there by def like, just speak to that. So I've got a heroic portraits behind me. I've got my two favorite heroes, Epictetus, my favorite teacher, Aurelius, my favorite leader. I got my two kids. I got my wife. I've got the heroic version of me. I got my coach, Phil Stutz. Where is he over there? Um, Eisenhower. Each of these heroes means something to me. Eleanor Roosevelt, um, Winston Churchill, and I've got a bunch of other ones on the different uh, walls in my office. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, companies heroic. And uh, I believe we all have, you know, heroic potential waiting within us. So those are some of my favorites that look at me all day long, bark at me all day long and challenge me to show up as my best self. It's kind of like you're, you know, the think and grow rich. He, he talk, uh, Napoleon Hill talks about your, your mastermind in a lot of ways, whether they're with you or not. This is kind of like your mastermind where they're keeping you in check and allowing you to live the life that you want to live. That's exactly it. And then, you know, as I playfully say, uh, they come alive for me, kind of like Dumbledore's headmasters in his uh, office at Hogwarts, you know, every morning during my meditation, after I do some other things, I invite them into my consciousness and they mm. give me wisdom for that day, you know, and it's an ancient stoic practice of who's your ideal sage, imagine them watching you, make them proud, you know, so that's a, another part of the practice. How do you choose the sage for each day? Is it a, is it a, you, do you bring, do you consciously bring somebody in or is it a sort of like just a, a surrendered ask of the council and then somebody shows up? No, I'm pretty routine. I got, this wall is kind of like the, the cardinal heroes, if you will. So I got Ralph Waldo Emerson, Abraham Lincoln, Marcus Aurelius, Steve Jobs, Joseph Campbell, and my coach, Phil Stutz. Uh, and then me, the kind of, again, best version of myself kind of up there. Um, but they basically, uh, they're pretty consistent in what they tell me to do. They've got like this, you know, uh, admonition, if you will, uh, that, uh, they give me. And if I bring them up in the, we kind of reflect on the day and, and, uh, see how we did and all that good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm fine. I don't know if you can resonate. And I actually want to talk about like, you know, just the, so the back of the book has a set of values. And that was like what actually got me super intrigued about you and sort of your your story and who you are. Were those values drawn from these heroes? Or was it like, what was the process of actually creating that value set for yourself? Because they're so simple and clear. And I can only imagine that you know, values that are that simple and clear come from a lot of reflection, a lot of testing. And so could you speak to the process um, of creating those values for yourself and, and the role that maybe some of these faces around you have played in the creation of them? Yeah. So the front cover of the book that you're referring to, Arte, back cover has the virtues, um, which to me has more gravitas than just values. So these are mm. the cardinal virtues of ancient yeah. wisdom. Um, and modern science, and then the virtues most highly correlated with our well-being, with our flourishing, according to the scientists. So the cardinal virtues of ancient Stoicism and ancient Greek philosophy, which are echoed in, in all ancient wisdom traditions in their own culturally distinct ways, are wisdom, discipline, love, and courage. And then the, the actually there are five virtues most highly correlated with flourishing, according to modern-day scientists, which include gratitude, hope, curiosity, zest, and love again. So those mm. eight are 
refuse are, uh, you know, what we have on the back of the book. And they're basically the expression of arete means virtue or excellence. It's the one word answer the ancient Stoics would have given you on how to live a good life. Live with arete. So it's kind of virtue at the highest level. And then those virtues are the expressions of um, kind of that ultimate sense of virtue. And a good life comes down to embodying more wisdom, discipline, love, courage, gratitude, hope, curiosity, and zest. So that's actually the first part of my meditation after I do some breath work is those declarations that you see. I've said them to myself thousands and thousands and thousands of times. I'm out on a walk. I'm in the cold plunge. I'm going through those virtues and just kind of soaking my consciousness in them all day, every day. So I appreciate you highlighting that. And, uh, and then, yeah, each of these individuals, Aristotle is not uh, visibly seen right now, but he played a big role as well. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, that, that's what our heroes, from my mind, our heroes embodied those virtues in their own idiosyncratic, iconoclastic way. Um, and, you know, I think that as we each strive to do so in our own idiosyncratic, iconoclastic way we activate our heroic potential and um can do the same things that they did i have a question around like okay so like i see the virtues of what we want to live into and like there's so much about ourselves that we don't know right like the shadow and we think about like just the enormous potential that lives in the shadow how do you balance this like okay i know this is where i want to head to with maybe even that kind of nature of not knowing and, 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 and living in that nature of like, what if there's more? What if there's a whole world, a side of this that I haven't even discovered yet? Like, how do you balance like what you know with what you don't in the pursuit of excellence? Yeah, great question. I focus on the controllables. So uh, there's enough to keep us busy in that realm of very few things that we have control over. You know, how are... How are you doing, again, with your wisdom, your discipline, your love, and your I mean, that's a lifetime of practice. And mm -hmm. I find that the more consistently I practice those things that I know, plug me into my best self. So we live with arete. We express the best version of ourselves moment to moment to moment so we can experience the summum bonum of life, according to the ancient Greek and Roman Stoics, which is eudaimonia. Eudaimonia means good soul. So essentially, they would say we have a, a daimon, a guiding spirit that is there and present at all times. And our challenge is, and I think the ultimate work is to connect to that. So mm. that's all I'm trying to do all day, every day. And I find that the more that I do that, I aggregate and compound certain gains that allow me to kind of expand my, my awareness, if you will. And then you shine a light on the things that might have been unknown or unknowable before. But my relentless focus is always get back to the, the simple mundane things that allow you to expand into that next best version of yourself. So I'm hyper practical in that regard. Um, whereas I think a lot of other people may find it more interesting to go more directly into the unknown. I prefer to start with the known and allow that to kind of expand my consciousness such that um, I'm finding new edges of the known unknown while focusing on the things that I can, I can control. Brilliant, dude. Are you, have you always been kind of like disciplined in that way to focus on the mundane and to stay in known, or was that something that you had to cultivate over time? And I'd love to hear maybe a little even above your story around just that cultivation of the virtues and because I can only, I'm already seeing myself, like I've changed so much over the years and like who I am today is not who I am. It's not who I was born. There's a, there's a, 
there's a there's a sculpting there's a nature or there, there there's a there's a part of me that was sculpted and then there's a part of me that i was sort of innately born with as well so can you speak a little bit to how much of this was natural to you versus how much of it was built and how can anybody who's maybe listening also tune into what is their natural spark versus where are the areas of their life that, that they can grow into yeah i think i've always had um kind of an intensity about me you know and just just a commitment to excellence i suppose although i never would have used that word but i i'm the quick origin story is i'm the youngest of five lower middle class blue collar catholic family first generation college student super conservative dad struggled with alcohol his dad struggled with alcohol ended his own life so you know i come from an interesting background in that regard and all of that served me in the process of me becoming who I am now. And I've absolutely gone through so many cycles of evolution um, and experienced pain, you know, and uncertainty and all the doubt of, well, how am I going to fit in? What am I going to do? And it's that pain that mixed with my intensity. And I truly wanted, wanted to understand for, I mean, the better part of 30 years now, I'm turning 50 in a few months, you know, and since I'm 20, 21 years old, you know, I've been really, and before that in a less coherent way, but since my my very early 20s, just wanted to understand what made these individuals tick, like mm. what made historically significant, noble, heroic individuals, noble and heroic, you know, and so I've always had that um, inclination, but I've not always had the wisdom or the discipline or the love for self and others or the courage to act in the presence of fear that I've worked pretty hard to cultivate. And then I continue to work. I mean, this is what's so fun is. We get to a point where we realize how little we know, you know, that paradox of, well, shoot, you know, I'm reading every book I read. I'm like, all right, I read a few books, but you read it and you're like, all right, one of my things is go look at the books they reference. It's like, I haven't read anything, you know, so much more to learn. Totally. So there's that joy, you know, in the evolutionary process and kind of the playful, wow, if I was able to do that with that consciousness, what can I do as I continue to cultivate it? have the humility mixed with the audacity and the ambition to do something hopefully of meaning and significance um, to serve people. Um, but yeah, it's been a very evolutionary path. Um, and we can talk like nuts and bolts, practical, how I practice it today, how I think others can consider practicing it. But, um, you know, uh, my discipline is, is almost entirely form, you know, uh, in terms of making it concrete and a true practice. So like, if I even had to reflect back what I'm hearing, it's almost like there are certain aspects, even some of these virtues that are kind of like muscles that you had to build, like self-love may have been a muscle that you had to build, but curiosity was something that you were naturally innately just talented with. And that then drove the desire to go forward, but then you had to pick up all these other skill sets. Let's maybe speak to that. Um, you know, I, I think self-love is a really interesting concept, especially for men. Because that idea of self-love just doesn't feel like it fits inside of the productivity, the 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 kind of creation cycle. But I'd love to learn from you, like what role has self-love played in the because love shows up twice. I noticed in the eight values, right? So or in the virtues. So yeah. can you speak to the differences between maybe the two loves that are showing up in the in the eight, and just you know maybe the different degrees of love and the role that self-love actually plays in the in the facilitation of all this yeah so one of the things i talk about in the book is um 
Barbara Fredrickson is one of the, the world's leading researchers on the science of love. She wrote a book called Love 2.0, in which she establishes the idea that love 1.0 is what you kind of think of when you think of love, right? So for my family, my real intimate friends, my spouse, my kids, that sort of thing. Love 1.0. But then she says, look, there's something called love 2.0, which you can create with anyone at any time. Micro moments of positivity resonance is what she calls it. You can measure neuro... Um, biologically and see how your your entire underlying chemistry, et cetera, changes when you create those moments. So she encourages us, of course, to create those those moments. I say, okay, that's awesome. Love 1.0 family, love 2.0 for anybody. But then I say, well, it, it's got to start with love 0.0. Mm. You're going to have a really hard time giving that which you don't have and aren't giving to yourself. And then for me, you know, love 0.0 is, I want to be clear. I want to have the wisdom to know the things I do when I'm at my best and then care for myself, love myself enough to do those things and have the discipline to actually do them. So every single time I focus on my fundamentals, I call them eating, moving, sleeping, breathing, focusing my mind, practicing these ideas. It's an act of love for myself, which is connecting me to my diamonds such that I can give my best self to my relationships and to my 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 work and my my calling, et cetera. Um, and then I think of, I mean, self-compassion, you know, versus shame, these are important things. But but you know, you asked me before we got on, is there any like thing that's important right now thematically? Well, my most recent tattoo is anti-fragile confidence. So to me, cultivating confidence, which means intense trust, mm. right? In that relationship Ooh. with ourselves is like the masculine expression of of, of my own self-love. Mm. I want to trust myself. When I say I want to do something and I'm going to do something, I want to do it. Like that's an act of service. This version of me is giving a gift of love to the future version of myself such that I'm, I'm in a position to show up powerfully. So I think there's something there, particularly for men, you know, that, that it's an act of love to, to live in integrity with your values and to take care of yourself in the way that you know you should. Um, and again, we can talk about shame and, and how toxic that is and whatnot. Um, but I think that idea of just building trust with ourselves and then by extension in other relationships um, is an important aspect of cultivating that level of true grounded love. Oh, man, I love I wish I could go back. And I will be able to go back and, and listen to that little nugget on just what you defined as confidence. And I'm, I'm the reason I'm asking is because you know, one thing I've been really navigating is this sort of duality of, you know, doing and being right. Like, and there's like this, you know, when I, when I think about self-love, there's this story that, you know, are you enough? And are you, can you like, am I enough or can I be doing better? Like both of those can signify self-love. If I'm not, if I'm not doing my best, me going out there and putting in the effort to go harder, go faster, push myself is an expression of self-love. But then on the other side of that, if I'm doing too much, or if I'm pushing myself, if I'm burning myself out, there's the other side, which is, you know, actually slowing down, doing nothing, sitting, being is actually the greatest form of self-love. So how have you sort of developed the trust maybe to know when to push and when to pause and what's most appropriate in the moment? Great, 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 great questions and frame. As with almost everything, it's always yes and, you know, so you know, our being is in our becoming is how mm. ocean, like, that's just a brilliant line. You know, there's no such thing. There's no done. 
you know, the dynamicism, he says, it's like walking on a tightrope. There's no static balance. It's very dynamic. So you're a little bit too far that way, a little bit too far this way. And I find that the more I practice these things, the more I, I trust myself. And that, by the way, is the first thing that Ralph Waldo Emerson tells me every morning, goosebumps, literally, hey, Ralph, what's up? Oh yeah, trust thyself. You tell every morning, you're saying, thing. trust thyself. Every heart vibrates to that iron string. Um, so that that ability to cultivate true trust in ourselves um, is essential. But for me, the way that I practice it is, um, I train my recovery. So you know, I, I aspire to train. I'm, I don't go as hard as a world class athlete, athlete, but I approach it that way. And an essential part of any athlete's training is training their recovery. So the number of active self-love I have for myself is sleep. I'm in bed for nine to 10 hours a night because I'm a different person. Me on six hours of sleep, you know, whatever. I can get by on that for a day, but you don't want to be around me on that consistently. And I haven't been that guy forever. But when I used to be up and down, dude, I didn't take any care of myself on those basic fundamental levels. So things like that, things like focusing on my meditation, you know, I'm meditating 15, 30, 45, 60 minutes every morning. Boom. So I want to show up energized and tranquil. I want to be able to flip the switch and know, all right, well, I took a 15 minute nap today. Perfect. I'm going hard. I need a little break. Perfect. What do I need right now? What's important right now? And that's going to be very dynamic. But I think that as we practice these basic um, core fundamentals, and, and especially the trust thyself, what do you need right now? Then there's a dynamicism to it. And you will go too far one way or too far the other way, but there's no need to look at it as anything other than data totally and then well what do you want now what needs to get done and you take that and just get a little bit better you know trust thyself is there are there other consistent messages that come through when you when you ask for guidance from your counsel um that i mean they're so they're so boring in their repetition it's fantastic abraham lincoln <laughs> abraham lincoln every morning win the civil war which is always inside your own head, right? So if we want to make a contribution in the world, we've got to win the war going on within our minds. Marcus Aurelius, the reluctant emperor who wanted to be the philosopher says, play your role well to me, right? And then I kind of toggle between Steve Jobs and John Mackey, who's my, one of my favorite living heroes, but you know, make it insanely great. Like that's this, the job standard, you know, of, all right, let's go. Joseph Campbell tells me the same thing every day. He's the, you know, hero mythologist. We train heroes is his mantra to me. Let's go, basically. And then my coach, Phil Stutz, tells me a few different things. But he has three unavoidables in life. Most people think they're going to get to a place where they no longer experience pain, uncertainty, and hard work. And that's one of the biggest cosmic jokes. And one of the greatest sources of, of pain is our or your or whatever story that you should already be somewhere where you don't mm -hmm. experience what you're experiencing. All right, yeah. well... We want to let that go, you know. Anyway, those are some of the things that they uh, they uh, they teach me and, and remind me. What about your higher self? Do you receive messages from from him as well, or does he sort of come out in specific situations? Both, again. Um, and what I do with with the higher version of myself, and that we architected the app in part to help people get clarity on that best version of themselves in what we call the big three, your energy, your work, and your love, which longer chat, but that is from my mind, what it takes to have a good life. Get your work and your love right. Freud said, you got a good life. I say, yeah. And if your energy sucks because you make poor lifestyle choices, good luck. So energy, work, and love. 
And then we help people craft identities mm. in their energy work and love, um, which is a longer chat. And then the virtues you embody when you're at your best, and then what specifically you do when you're at your best. Um, so every morning I recommit to being that best version of myself. So I've kind of, that's been concretized for me, you know, and I have certain identities in my energy work and love and virtues that you could wake me up, you know, at 2 a.m. What are they? I'm like, here they are. You know, like that's who I aspire to be. So that version of me just kind of um embodies that for me now, you know, and kind of pulls me toward it, if you if you will. Um yeah. Dude, how did you like I mean, I'm just so blown away by how much framework you've brought to your life like it's actually really inspiring just to like see all the frames that are all intricately working together to create the best version of you like was this just off of like years of study or like like what's the what's your kind of like your origin story to your work i'm you know genuinely like super impressed for lack of a better word right now with just like the level of frame that's kind of governing a lot of this for you yeah i appreciate it um obsession comes to mind i mean this again i've spent half of the last 25 years building and selling two social platforms before facebook and the other half relentlessly studying ancient wisdom modern science and how to make it practical and so that's that's literally just been my obsession you know for the better part of the last more than half of the last 25 years you know is how do you bring the ancient wisdom and modern science into a coherent framework that works and then we've studied, you know, the, the program we have for our coaches has been scientifically studied by Sony Libomirsky, one of the world's leading well-being scientists. The app has been empirically proven to change people's lives. So it's just been an obsession, you know, I've been iterating and, and just mm. producing a lot, you know, I just forcing myself to create and to, um, to try to synthesize, you know, um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of turns, you know, totally. <laughs> just map it out test it, experiment you know um totally totally yeah what um I'm, I'm curious to just hear your perspectives on like trauma whether it's childhood explicit implicit and how how that plays a role in this pursuit of excellence whether it's in the way that we make meaning or whether it's in the way that our bodies are wired for energy i'm really curious to hear how like that plays a either the uh the amount of it or the little of it like the awareness of it the unawareness of it like how does that play a role in the creation of of, of a life of excellence yeah another great question and this is related at least tangentially if not importantly um directly to the controllable and uncontrollable you know so i experienced my trauma you experience your trauma i'm sure everyone watching or listening to this has their own idiosyncratic experiences that's yeah. the human condition and there's a spectrum, of course, of, you know, subtle to not so subtle, et cetera. Um, I would offer that the more trauma one has experienced, the more important it is to focus on the most basic fundamentals. Your physiology mm. is driving a lot more of your psychology than you think, you know, and how you eat, how you move, how you sleep, how you breathe, how you focus your attention. These things matter and they matter the most to the people who are most vulnerable. So it's very difficult. That, that's a complex thing to solve. And I have goosebumps right now. And you will never solve that unless, I don't believe, unless consistently, unless you can get the underlying foundation of mm -hmm. your life solved. Yeah. And so this is, again, where we have control over that. I have control over what I put in my mouth, when I put my screen down and go to bed. 
And these things and architecting that scaffolding, you know, of stability physiologically and psychologically allows us to go to the edges where we can have conversations with some of these more challenging dragons in our consciousness. Um, and those are best approached well-rested, well-fed, <laughs> and well-grounded, you know? Um, but then I think to speak directly to it, I think we need to, we need to have a coherent narrative. So this is a William Damon idea. Dan Siegel talks about it a lot. Like we need coherence in our past, in our present, and our future. So I grew up in a family that had the trauma that's experienced when you grow up with an alcoholic father, right? There are certain things that happen in that environment that are different than in other environments. And again, I, I was not physically abused. I was not sexually abused. I don't have those traumas, but I've got my set of traumas and everyone's got their own. But I need to create a coherent narrative around how that impacts, how that has impacted my life, how it continues to impact my life, and how I'm going to use it to create meaning in my life. Um, and that's a longer chat, but that's, that's I think, really important. Um, but again, I, I leave that nuanced conversation to experts in that field. My expertise and my um, relentless um, uh, teaching comes back to, how'd you sleep? last night because today started last night were you up late last night doing this are you drinking sugar you know are you eating a lot of refined foods are you not moving your body these things matter and i can help you control that and i can promise you that as you build the scaffolding in your life with those fundamentals we'll be able to approach um the the less uh, obvious things that trauma i would throw into purpose to go positive on it that's a hard thing to figure out let's yeah. get your energy out in and all those other things um that's now a long non-answer to your question. <laughs> that's that's kind of how I, I think about it. No, that's great. And I think it's just, you know, when I, I obviously like, all of us, as we've been waking up and, you know, coming into 2024, like the, the role of childhood, there's never been more awareness of the impact of trauma and childhood experiences on how we perceive stress, how we create, how we live our lives, how our belief systems are formed and so on and so forth. So I think, I've always been curious just on the balance between, you know, coaching and almost like therapy and like, what's the balance for somebody who might be trying to create a life of excellence? And can you accomplish a lot of therapy in coaching? Can you accomplish a lot of coaching and therapy? Like, so it's just a question that I constantly go back and forth with. This is great, dude. But then, then what's the point of therapy? So from my vantage point, the point of therapy should be pretty straightforward, which is to help you create a more flourishing life. I mean, the, the point of the point of integrating, and again, therapy can be approached in a number of different ways. Totally. And, and again, my coach Phil Stutz is in a documentary on Netflix called Stutz. With yeah, yeah. I, I assumed that's who you were talking about. Yeah, I've seen I've seen the documentary. All right, cool. So so I lean toward his approach toward therapy, which is all right. You know, we can do all the archaeological digging we want. You can lay back on a couch and I can have you replay all the trauma you've experienced, all the, the things that, that, that some therapies come back to. What I'm more interested in, not that I'm not interested in that, but what I'm more interested in, how are your current thoughts and behaviors? Mm. Are they serving you in creating the life that you want? Because we can work on that much more directly than we can the fossilized archaeological aspects of your life. And I'm not discounting how that has played a role, but it's very exciting for me doing what I do to in my own life and with others to get clarity again, controlling the controllables. And what can we do? Is that thought helping you create the life that you want or not? 
are these behaviors helping you or not? And that's a very direct way. Um, and again, I'll offer that that when you get more stable in that regard, it's a lot easier to deal with these things. And frankly, those really? things become less traumatic because you're living a highly functioning, flourishing life. And you can hold that in a broader perspective and see it all ultimately as part of your narrative that ideally, and again, I went through some personal struggles. I was thinking about ending my own life 25 years ago. That's my greatest gift to the world now. So the greatest trauma that I experience is now my greatest gift to the students and the community that I serve, to my kids, to break the cycle that my dad did his best and it was better than his dad. All right, well, can I do a little better? And then the things that debilitated me in quotes or could still become the fuel for my work. And this is the wounded healer and the hero's journey. You go fight your dragons and then you come back and, and you give your gifts back to the world, your transformed consciousness. And it's almost always the trauma, the dragons that give you the opportunity to serve most profoundly. If you know what I mean, you move through it. And I think it's easy to get stuck in the looping pattern of let me process it again. All right, well, at what point are you going to move through it and then have a directed life toward that which you aspire to embody, right? I heard you kind of shift the word from therapy to integration, which I loved. So I think that's that speaks a lot more completely to what you're saying, which is it's so easy to go back to the therapy session, the therapy session, maybe the plan, the journey, the plan, whatever the the tools you're using to navigate the past and sit in it. But what matters most is the integration. It's coming back into the present moment. It's making the choices. And I think that's what's so brilliant about what I'm observing in your methodology and the way that you teach. It's coming back to just reminding people that you have choices you can make every single day that are going to dictate the quality of your life. And the more awareness you have over that, the more heroic you become. Yep. hundred percent. Yep. Exactly. And then exactly. And then it's a question of, well, what do you want? And again, all these things help. So I'm not a plant medicine guy, but all right, cool. But at some point you got to come back to reality and you got to yeah. build vision that you want. So what do you want? You've got your integrated past, you got this moment, and then you've got a coherent future. What do you want? What do you need to do to get there? Is what you're doing helping you get there or not? And then it's a moment to moment to moment practice. So then there's the opportunity to, um, and the frame that I use is you're capable of being this in any given moment. If you're actually being this and there's a gap in that moment, that's where regret, anxiety, disillusionment, depression exists. Now, if you can close the gap, live with art to express the best version of yourself in that moment, th there's no room for that stuff. There's a deep sense of joy and grounded, meaningful purpose. You get more and more consistently adept at doing that. Never perfect, of course. Um, and everything changes. And you don't need to change anything about the past for that to be true. And again, give that time over an extended frame of time. Um, and we have the agency, we have that sense of groundedness, to use your word, you know, it's like, all right, cool, I'm here, I'm present right now, and I'm showing up unshackled from the past, yet having integrated that um, into a meaningful narrative that I'm living from and through, you know? What's powerful is, as I'm hearing you speak, I'm like really seeing how, like, awareness is actually the most powerful tool. Like, the second you become aware that you are having a gap between where you want to be and where you are, you have the ability to make a change. But when you're unaware, for whatever reason, whether it's you're blissfully unaware, you're in denial, or you're just unconscious, that almost keeps you in that state of stuckness. And so 
how do you one cultivate your own awareness? Are there reflection practices or are there tools and approaches you use to continue increasing your level of awareness? And how do you hold yourself? And I, I guess you have tools to hold yourself accountable to that awareness once you find it. But I'd love for you to speak to just the how are you organizing your awareness and uncovering your awareness and utilizing your awareness in your own path? Yeah, it's a beautiful word, awareness, you know, and I think it can be framed in a number of different ways. When you share that, I immediately come up to wisdom. So to mm. me, awareness is a subset of wisdom. So I got to be able to step back mindfully, aware with awareness and see my life objectively, right? Just observe the thoughts, the behaviors that may or may not be serving me. Um, and I would offer that that requires a certain frame of wisdom to be able to see things for what they are. And that needs to start with the fact that we've been seduced to play the wrong game. So we're all chasing fame, wealth, hotness, David Brooks's first mountain vis-a-vis -vis the second mountain, you know, and those things don't lead to the true level of, of, of deep, sustainable joy and happiness that you want. Mm. That of that fact requires wisdom to see the truth in that. And then to know, no, 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 the ultimate game is in a single word to live with authority, to be your best self. Then in that moment, you experience the true joy that you want. So simply the wisdom to know the game you're playing and then the discipline to do it is kind of how I, literally that's kind of my mantra, wisdom, discipline. I know the game and I, I'm living in integrity with it. Wisdom, discipline. Um, and then having that awareness to see when you're not, to your point. But my practices, um, again, they start with the basic things that may not seem like they increase awareness, but what I eat directly impacts my awareness. And again, I'm so clean that when I go off, I feel it. There's a, there's a, there's a That's difference. Yeah, in my yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And I look, I've meditated every day, but one for 18 years. But when I systematically change things in my nutrition, in my breathing pattern, in my movement, in my sleep, my consciousness changed independent of the length of my meditation or quality of my meditation practice. So how you eat, how you move or don't move, how you sleep or don't sleep adequately, these things affect the quality of your huh. attention, your awareness, et cetera. And then of course I meditate and all the other obvious things, but it's the constellation of these fundamental habits in my experience um, that direct, directly influences the quality of my awareness and attention and the ease with which I can sit in that higher self, you know, and like live from that. Notice when I'm not, whereas when I'm tired and sluggish or whatever, dude, I can't even... It's like I got to like, you know, rock climb up here and I still can't get to that height that I effortlessly am in when I'm dominating the basic fundamentals and just kind of dialed in and plugged in. So again, the whole game, Richard Rohr is another favorite teacher quoting Desmond Tutu. Well, Joseph Campbell said, what are you? Are you the light or are you the bulb through which the light, you know, flows? Mm. The answer is, well, yes, you know, and Desmond Tutu said, <laughs> We're just the light bulbs, you know, but our jobs are to stay screwed in. And I find that when I do the things that keep me screwed in, a light flows through me. My awareness is pure, but it's not the, the glamorous. Let me go do another trip or let me go, you know, do whatever. It's the most basic things that allow me to be a healthy, functioning human being. And the, the flowering of that is a deep spirituality and a clean awareness and all the other things that, that we want to get often kind of bypassing the, the hard work required 
Dude, I love how your definition of awareness comes back to almost like an energetic quality. Like you're like speaking to your energy and that being tied to the quality of your awareness. Like there's a, it's a really beautiful, I've never actually, I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody like really express the physiological awareness and how that ties to the energy that you embody and how that might tie to a greater spiritual awareness and your ability to zoom out. Like that's brilliant. May, may I add, like it's, it's so, and it's so grounded because it actually brings back to like, I, I, I see it. Like I, I'm the same way. Like, in fact, like yesterday I, you know, living in Costa Rica, like sometimes you, you really don't know what you're buying. Like that can, I think I'm buying really, really clean vegetables, organic vegetables, but sometimes I'm not. And yesterday I bought some mushrooms from the from the local grocery store and I cooked them last night and I just felt like like this morning I can like feel my body kind of off and immediately I knew I was like it's what I bought yesterday. Like it's like it's like I I've developed that level of sensitivity around my own energy to where I can pick up impurities and track and so there's that that is awareness. In fact, that's one of the most basic forms of awareness that then does lead to the cleanliness of your of your ability to zoom out. So, I mean, nothing to say. I'm just mirroring back. Like, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's it's also obvious, you know. It's like, all right, <laughs> it's so obvious. Yeah, just <laughs> dude. I remember I remember watching a spiritual teacher I won't name, um, where a guy came up and was wearing a hoodie. He was clearly you know, 40, 50 pounds overweight and just hunched over and, and you could feel his, his suffering, you know? And he asked a question and he gets what you'd expect from this particular teacher, a very esoteric, I don't even, well, what is he talking about? You know what I mean? I have no idea. What this guy needed to hear was, how's your eating? How's your moving? How's your sleep? How's your hygiene? How about the basic, basic fundamental? Let's get those dialed in and then come back to me, you know, as you continue to, that's a spiritual practice. And then from a very like mundane physiological level, your gut produces more serotonin than your brain. It produces 80, 85, 90% of your body's serotonin. But no one's talking about that. When they're talking about a good mood or a clean, pure mind, you think it's in your mind, but it's in your body. It's in your gut. It's in the food that you're eating. It's yeah. how, you're, how you're moving your body, how you're sleeping. Like these are very obvious things that, that um, I appreciate you reflecting back. Um, to me, this is the core of a spiritual practice is your body is your temple. And this is ancient yes. yoga. I mean, it's, it's, let's purify. Um, and again, that's wisdom, that's discipline, that's self-love and, and all the other things that go with it. And, um, to me that that's the root, the flowering is the, um, what one would call spirituality, you know? Well, what's interesting is I'm like going back and looking at some of your values, like you've got the physical or they're your virtues, sorry, like you've got the, the, the ones that bring you back into a physical practice, but you know, let's not forget, you know, curiosity, courage, hope. I mean, these are virtues that I would actually attribute to a deeper part. Like you embodying those are actually connecting to a very deep column of love that might be esoteric in some ways. Like when you, when you do something you're afraid of, you're, there's like the part of you that's afraid and there's the part of you that's brave. Well, what's the part of you that's brave? Like, who are you really? And who are you identifying with really? And and what is that? Like, let's, you know, like, what is that energy? And, and, and so- I'm, And then how do we connect to that more often? 
I mean, that's the ultimate game. And again, this is your daemon, good soul. It's your daemon and your demon. Demon is just the diminutive of daemon. So in ancient Greece, daemon, guiding spirit, demon, not so great guiding spirit. You know, like, but that battle is always going on. And again, it's how do you connect to the best within you? This is Elizabeth Gilbert. This is Stephen Pressfield. Your job is to create the conditions such that the best version of you can show up. To me, that's the whole game. Right. And even Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who helped found the, the positive psychology movement, who wrote Flow and wrote a book on creativity. You know, he talks about all the great creators and he says what you should really study is how they architected their lives mm. so that that creativity could be expressed. That's the spiritual truth, you know, and, and these basic things um, uh, they are profound. Even David Allen, when I interviewed him, like you're doing with me right now. You know, he's basically a practicing Sufi. Like he's a mystical dude. And he says that the sublime comes through the mundane. You know, like that most mundane thing you're doing to order your consciousness is what's going to allow the best to flow through you. Dude, I, I just got back from a 10-day silent meditation retreat. And, I, and it was the first time I'd ever sat for 10 days. I'd never sat in meditation for more than, you know, Vipassana or different stuff? It was a Vipassana. Vipassana, yeah. And... You know, a lot of the personal development things, they're always about doing, going to the thing, doing the thing, having the person. It's like there's a nature of the doing. This is the first time I just did nothing, looked at nobody, said nothing. And I'm just connecting to what you just mentioned, how the depth of mysticism and mystery that I feel like I was able to access by truly doing nothing was probably the most mind shattering experience i've ever had like it truly brought me back to the fundamentals of like i don't need to be very active to experience a level of depth and connectedness like i don't really need to do much actually <laughs> yeah, yet yet the strong determination you needed to have to sit still for those whatever it was 19 hour long sessions after the third day and i've done my own 10 day meditation the boston style and <laughs> The it's this yes and, you know, you created a container such mm. that you could be connected through stillness to whatever that is that we're connected to in that depth of stillness, right? Which is so profound. And yet it took paradoxically a lot of effort to not do anything, you know? <laughs> and it's just yeah. the, the whole beautiful, well, all right, there, my brain's blown up, you know? But that's it, <laughs> right? Is having that structure to allow for that you were connected to your best self. But again, there's a beautiful dynamic dance because the structure that you showed up for those 10 days was so systematic, you know, and so reductionistically precise in this, not that, um, that it's what we're talking about. I mean, it's exactly the same thing, you know? But then how do you bring that state experience that you can experience there or at a Tony Robbins workshop or on your plant medicine, whatever, all right, cool. You got the state experience. Perfect. Boom. You're back to where you were. And often, if you don't have the practices to actually yeah. sustain, and this is this is it. It's consistency on those basic fundamentals that allows for us to um, make that state. Ken Wilber talks about this. Easy to have the state experience, right? Whether it's through the arduous work you did or through the quick trip you're going to take, whatever, right? Um, state experience, but you need to make that state a trait. You need to make it who you are. And you can only do that um, through, I would offer the work that we're talking about again, in your own idiosyncratic way, but 
that's the power. And and I think those who get into the States, they just want to get back to the state, but they yeah. don't want to do work to actually make it a trade. State change does not necessarily guarantee trade change. And, uh, and that's ultimately what it almost certainly doesn't to, yeah. to go more direct on it. Like it doesn't, it gives you a taste of what's possible, but then you're rarely told now go do the hard work. And then you want to go chase that hit again and get the state again. And, and frankly, that becomes, uh, dangerous because, yeah. because now you're feeling that and you, you don't have that wisdom to know and the discipline to do and then it becomes a wobbly thing where you just want to go back to the next thing or whatever it is that's going to give you that state right well dude i want to talk about um one I, this conversation's been freaking epic i just knew let's that go. we were gonna I, I, i'm like totally let's keep going um i i want to talk about trade change and how heroic and the app and the book and the resources that you're creating can help people do that so can you touch on just you know, the work that you're doing in the world and how anybody listening who's really inspired can take a next step. Yes. Yeah, so if you're enjoying this, I talk about a lot of these ideas in the book, Arte, which of course you can get wherever you get books. Um, and then my work is I've got, you know, two tattoos represent my life's mission, Arte and then Heroic. So our company is called Heroic Public Benefit Corporation. We have an app called Heroic. And it's all about moving people from theory to practice to mastery. So integrating ancient wisdom, modern science, practical tools. Um, but that's kind of the themes we've been exploring. That's how I distill it. These yeah. ideas are nice. Great. We're inspired. Okay, cool. But can we go from theory to practice? And then the master is the one who continues to practice and never gets bored with the mundane, you know, basic things. I mean, you know, if the Buddha meditates after he reached enlightenment, I'm going to keep on meditating. You know, that's <laughs> <laughs> I dream or whatever, you know, there we go. So that's the heroic app. You can find that in um, wherever you get, you know, iOS, Android app stores. And then we're really uh, excited about and proud of our coach program. So we've trained and certified. Well, we trained over 10,000 um, coaches from 100 countries around the world, um, integrating these exact ideas. Um, and again, we've done a lot of rigorous scientific research on it. It works. Um, but, uh, those are the two that's heroic.us.us slash coach. If you want to learn more about that. Cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, we explored so many different themes and, um, enjoyed going all the different directions with you. Totally brother. Everybody will make all those links available in the show notes. Brian, I got one last question for you in the midst of everything you're doing everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? But more importantly, What's one thing you've done consistently that's helped you just become a more grounded human being? Everything we talked about today has helped me with that. One thing we didn't talk about um, that arises right now, whether well, it was one of the more fundamental in terms of groundedness, it's my breath. So uh, I'm a student and fan of Patrick McYown. A lot of people mm -hmm. are in the Wim Hof, that's cool, kind of breath work, whatever, getting up. Patrick McYown um, wrote a book called The Oxygen Advantage, in I've which he it. talks. Yeah. It's brilliant. So he talks about the fact that most of us don't breathe properly, and most of us breathe too much. So training my breath in the way that he teaches has fundamentally changed my sense of groundedness. Um, mm. I was a super anxious kid, scared of everything, and I had you know meditated for a long time, and then I removed grains. Right, grains. Boom. Within. 10 days, 
anxiety levels just dropped even after meditating for years. I was creating inflammation, didn't work for me. It works for some people, didn't work for me. Then when I started training my breath, next level. Wow. Just this calm confidence and energized tranquility. And the basic idea for me that I practice every single morning is to breathe less, to breathe right. So his basic theory and, and um, science affirms is you need to get your carbon dioxide to oxygen balance right. And I won't go into the details on that, but breathing in through your nose, down into your diaphragm that we all know is proper deep breathing, right? Exhaling back out through your nose, slightly longer than your inhale is the practice that I engage in, is the fastest way to flip the switch on your parasympathetic nervous system, getting out of fight or flight. Um, and I've practiced a certain breathing um, style that I teach in a class called Breathing 101 in the app, not to sell that, but I kind of go off on this in detail. That's been the, the biggest practice for me. I've done it every single morning since I found this book 10 years ago. Um, and I do it any moment. So even in between our questions, it's like, all right, cool. Flip the switch, which is one of the things we teach our coaches. So getting that posture that invites the best version of you to be present. Uh, John Kabat-Zinn would say, you want to know how to sit when you meditate? Sit with dignity. Mm, so dignified. You have poise. You're, you're upright, but you're not ramrod. You know, you've got this calm, confident, energized, yet tranquil. You're sitting with dignity. So you can stand with dignity, chest up, chin down. You're simultaneously up, but relaxed. In that moment, you gave yourself the best opportunity to breathe properly, oxygenate your brain, and then feel the weight beneath you while kind of um, expanding simultaneously. So those are some practices for me that um, literally I, I'm, I'm constantly practicing, you know, whether it's right now with you, in my meditation practice, I'm driving the kids, we're going to Whole Foods, boom. I'm sitting with dignity. I'm breathing deeply. There's always a moment and an opportunity to um, to connect. And that of everything we've talked about, groundedness, that's a synonym for or an avenue through which we connect to the best version of ourselves, right? When we can find that centeredness at will, boom, it's like an invitation to the daimon to be present. Um, and again, the breath, I think, is... is uh, universally agreed as a conduit to do Dude, that you're such a boss you're such a boss i just like i've so enjoyed getting to know you in this way like i'm so glad this is our like first real drop-in i'm looking forward to more um because i just like i really admire the like, i even just felt like it's like a little like a little hit from my soul it was just like get up like come on <laughs> sit straight like i just loved that like I feel very inspired right now and energized. And, um, and so I just want to thank yeah. you again for, for sharing uh, your, your, your heart and your expertise and your vision and for doing the work you're doing in the world and for embodying it, man, I can feel it and see it. And I think that's, you know, the biggest compliment I could probably give you is just, you know, I see you as the, the full embodiment of your, you know, highest and best self. And I know you're always working on yourself, but you're really inspiring, man. And I'm, I'm really grateful you're here. And, it, I'm so. feeling the buzz from your Vipassana, dude. How long ago did you finish it? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, two weeks ago. It was yeah, like, yeah, that's great, yeah, dude. <laughs> those, those are, I did it with my now wife. I think she, we were just uh, either engaged, or, you know, no, I think we got engaged afterwards, dude. That that was, uh, I couldn't look at her for 10 days, you know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> was, dude, I couldn't that. talk. I couldn't talk for like four days. I got back like, I was like, I was, it was just a whole thing. Like we, that's a whole nother conversation probably just to drop it on. <laughs>
I appreciate you, man. I appreciate your grounded energy and your enthusiasm and your um, curiosity and, and your commitment to helping me um, explore these ideas and show up as my best. So bless you. Thank you. And uh, look forward to the next of hopefully many conversations. Cheers, brother. Everybody, that's a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Brian. And from us, stay grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Stay Grounded. No matter where you're from or what you're going through, I hope it helps you remember just how incredible you are and have always been. If you're on a path of emotional healing or self-discovery and would like to learn how Liberate can support your journey, head to www.rajana.com forward slash liberate that is l-i-b-e-r-8 to learn more about our current group programs and one-on-one offerings i love you guys and i'll see you next week